Here we are on a Wednesday morning together here on Covenant Network. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright. Happy to be with you this morning. And, you know, I have to say, each and every morning the sunrises are getting more and more spectacular. Although, last week staying in a hotel room on the 16th floor of the building looking out at I don't even know what mountains I was looking at, but the sun was coming up over the mountains. It was absolutely gorgeous. Now, the trees here outside our studio are a nice consolation, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm going to have to paint some mountains on the window or something like that. It was just absolutely beautiful. Let's begin our day together in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Father, amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Isn't that the way it always goes? You travel somewhere and you're there long enough to really enjoy it, but not long enough to want to leave. And then you come home and, you know, you just would like to go back for one or two more days. Sometimes it's like that when we cook. We make something at home, it's just delicious, and you don't want a whole other piece, but you want one or two more bites. You know, that's how it is sometimes. Today on the show, we are going to be talking with Dr. Brian Gosser, continuing our conversation on uh, the the gift that fertility is and the, the challenges we face in our modern culture. We're also going to be talking with Kristalina Everett. Well, actually, not going to be. We spoke with her already last week back in the mountains in Phoenix. It was a joy to see her there in Phoenix and to catch up with her in person. So that's what's on the show today, uh, plus some prayer, daily dose of encouragement, the weather, the saint of the day, all those things you've come to know and hopefully enjoy. And so we can get to all of that. Let's go now to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Maria Faustina Kowalska. Born in Poland in 1905, her baptismal name was Helen, and from the age of seven she heard the Lord calling her to a special and unique mission. Although they would later think much differently, her parents were not in favor of their daughter joining a religious community. But the Lord was more than just a little persistent. When she was 18 and out with her sister at a dance, Jesus suddenly appeared to her, looking as he did during his passion, and said, How long will you keep putting me off? Immediately, she left the dance, packed, took a train to Warsaw, and there found the Blessed Mother, who guided her to a nearby village, and through a priest, she found a woman who gave her a place to stay for over a year. In 1925, she joined the Congregation of the Sisters of Mercy and took the name Sister Maria of the Blessed Sacrament. The Lord would guide Sister constantly. He told her he wanted her to keep a diary, which she did, and which you can buy today at any Catholic bookstore. In the diary of Faustina, she describes being shown heaven, hell. She sees the Blessed Mother, her guardian angel, St. Michael, St. Therese of Lisieux, but mostly and over and over again. She hears, sees, and is directed by Jesus. In 1930, she was sent to Prague after the first signs of an illness that would later be diagnosed as tuberculosis. And there, Jesus appears to her and says, paint an image according to the pattern which you see with the signature, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus also told Sister Faustina he wanted a feast of divine mercy 
to be celebrated on the first Sunday after Easter so that all sinners would know they could come home. Three years later, the first image was painted. In 1933, she was sent to Vilnius, where she met Father Michael Sapako, who would later become her spiritual director and advocate. On Good Friday, 1935, Jesus told St. Faustina the image of divine mercy should be publicly honored, and it was on the first Sunday after Easter. In September of 1935, Jesus gave Sister a new prayer, the Chaplet of Mercy, and told her that he wanted this prayer said at the bedside of someone dying, and he would defend them. After a lengthy struggle with her health, St. Faustina died on this day in 1938. Although the message of divine mercy was accepted in her lifetime and afterwards, it was suppressed for quite a while, beginning in 1959. With the help of Father Sapako, Archbishop Carol Wojtyla, and a newly discovered document, several in fact, along with better translations of her diary, the ban was lifted in 1978. She was beatified in 1993 and canonized in 2000 by Pope St. John Paul II. The Blessed Mother once told St. Faustina, tell souls to appeal to my son's merciful heart while it is still the time for granting mercy. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Consecration to Mary. My queen and my mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, as I am your own, keep me, guard me, as your property and possession. Amen. We are back, and over the past few weeks, we've been talking with Catholic OBGYN Dr. Brian Gosser about fertility, infertility, miscarriage, the different joys and, and struggles and crosses that we carry throughout our child-rearing years for those of us who are married. Dr. Gosser, last time you were with us, I shared the story of when Beth and I lost a baby through ectopic pregnancy, and that actually leads somewhat into today's topic. Uh, we've talked before about charting on the show. We've talked about natural family planning, and we've said that there are sometimes within the course of a marriage grave reasons that would be a reason to delay pregnancy, or as they say in the NFP world, instead of achieving pregnancy, avoiding pregnancy. And right after we lost that child, there was a period of time so long ago now I don't remember, but for medical reasons, just for Beth's body to have the time to heal, we had to avoid conceiving a child through a morally acceptable means, NFP. And that was our grave reason. This opens up a whole new discussion for us about the beauty of the human body and how God has given us the tools to know what's going on with a woman's cycle so that we can make those decisions when we have grave concerns. Yeah, absolutely, Adam. You know, when, when it comes to, to pregnancy, there are times where our plans are not exactly God's plans. I will say his plan is always better. Uh, and I know he appreciates me saying that, giving him that vote of confidence, but it, it always is. And, you know, I, I've thought on many occasions, you know, I, I look at my own life and my own experience. You know, I have just one brother who's 12 years younger than me, and I always 
wished that I had more siblings. My wife is from a bigger family. She's the baby of nine. And, and I've thought, what if they had decided to, to hold at eight, which I don't think anybody would have faulted them for. You know, it was something uh, that I know was a big sacrifice at the time, but has had an amazing impact on my life. You know, who would I have married if they had stopped at eight? You know, and, and sometimes, you know, we have a plan in our mind and God has a little different plan. So when we, we talk about pregnancy, I, I like to call it unexpected pregnancy because it, it's not like a, God didn't plan it. God knew about this child for all eternity, but maybe we hadn't had it planned according to our perfect plan. Uh, and really God's ways are far above ours. That's a very interesting way to put it and a very accurate way to put it. That God's known. God transcends time. He knows exactly what our choices are going to be and, and what we're going to choose and what's going to happen. We may not know. And it's, you know, it's always humorous. Well, I shouldn't say always, but many times in my life it's humorous when I run into that metaphorical brick wall because I'm going on Adam's plan and not God's plan. Um, I never would have imagined when Beth and I got married, that we'd have five kids, one boy and four daughters. And I don't regret a single one of those kids being part of our family. And again, that's been that trust that we've tried to have to say, all right, God, we want to be open to your plan. How do we do that? You know, <laughs> that's really the, the, the $90 million question today. How do we be open to God's plan? Yeah, I, I think it has to be soaked in prayer. But, you know, I, I think ultimately it's it's trusting God with our family size. God has the perfect plan for us. And we, we need to get away from a certain number. You know, if, if you look in, in Scripture, Abraham and Sarah had one child. There are some, as we talked about in previous weeks, that, ha- that suffer from infertility and God may be calling them to have no biologic children. And then there are others that, that may be called to be stretched a little bit. You know, are we open to life? Are we prayerfully, you know, giving that decision to God each month? You know, it's it's a very challenging thing because we tend to hold certain things very tightly. Money, sex, and power, you know, are the, the three biggies. And that's what Jesus talked so much about in, in the scriptures uh, because those are the things that we really need to give over and, and bring us to holiness. I would add here, it's something we say often on the show, one of the, the great ways the devil likes to get at us is maybe you've made a choice in the past that doesn't go with church teaching, whether it was artificial contraception or some other means of avoiding pregnancy. Don't let the devil hold that over your head. If you've, if you've made a good confession, if you were contrite, repentant, and you received absolution, you've been forgiven. Temporal consequence for sin is still a reality that we all have to live with, but don't let the devil hold that over your head and say, shame on you for what you have done. If you haven't made a good confession, as someone who has committed grave sins in my past, go to confession. Don't hold on to that. Our Lord is waiting to offer you forgiveness and freedom from that sin. All you have to do is choose to be repentant and go to him. And I cannot say that enough here on the show. So, Dr. Gosser, you're really the expert on this. What are we missing today? Anything else we want to throw in this segment before we go to the break here? Yeah, you know, the other thing that, that I would touch upon in terms of unexpected pregnancy is when, when we do say yes, and, and it does happen, there, there are occasions where pregnancy doesn't go the way we would have expected it to. Uh, and, and I think that's life in general. But when we think of the kids that we have, you know, God chooses that blessing, you know, that, that gift comes in different 
shapes and forms. Sometimes, you know, babies have genetic issues like Down syndrome. You know, I, I remember a fellow that I went to college with uh, who had an older sister that had Down syndrome. She was absolutely the light of their family. I mean, I I see now, though, that many of our medical professionals are really trying to isolate and focus on these babies because the world would say there's no value in it, uh, in them, you know, and, and, you know, how often do we see babies with Downs, for example, or there are other medical diagnoses too. I don't want to just sing, single that out, but, um, very often they, there can be some situations where God gives us a child that has special needs or special physical needs. Maybe they need surgery after they're born or whatever. You know, it just kind of highlights that that, that fertility doesn't necessarily give us, you know, the, the child we were expecting. As someone who has been involved in the pro-life movement for a long time, it always really gets under my skin when I hear that argument for abortion that's, well, think of the child that could be facing all of these hurdles because they're born with Down syndrome or uh pick any number of medical conditions. And I'm like, well, hold on now. What does that say to the people who are alive that have, and pick any one of those medical conditions that we could talk about, who are living a great life? And you're essentially saying to them, yeah, you you never should have been born. Uh, it would have been better for you had you not been born. I think of my wife's cousin who plays on a hockey team that's affiliated with the St. Louis Blues. He's played ice hockey on the rink at the arena downtown and met all the players when they won the Stanley Cup. I've never been able to do anything like that. And that's an amazing thing. And that's just one part of an amazing life that he is living and the gifts that he's received from God. I can't imagine how someone would say, yeah, you just never should have been born. It's uh, it's not worth it for you. Absolutely. All life has value. And, you know, again, it doesn't look always the way we think it should look, but I think soaking it in prayer, we say, Jesus, I trusted you and and know that he gives us these children because he's given us certain gifts and talents that are able to. He, he would not give us a child that he didn't think with his grace and help that we couldn't handle. And I look at it that way always. You know, so I, I try and reach out to families and comfort them and say, hey, you know, I know this maybe wasn't according, according to your plan, but ultimately God is giving you the thumbs up that he thinks you can handle it, but we just need to pray and and receive that grace to do it. Well, Dr. Gossard, it's been a a great conversation today, and I look forward to next time when we're going to talk about some of these things. And I've kind of danced around them today, and sometimes on the show we've danced around what do we mean by grave reasons and all of these things. So until next time, thanks for being with us. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We've got more show for you after this. A Prayer to Redeem Lost Time by St. Teresa of Avila O my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted years that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost, giving me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in wedding garments. Amen. Well, normally when we're talking with Kristalina Everett, it's by phone, and it's always a joy to speak with her, but today is a special treat. We're still on the road at the EWTN Catholic Radio Conference, and lo and behold, who lives 
in town, or at least nearby, Crystalina Everett. Scottsdale, Arizona, backyard. This has been amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to connect and you uh, made the little hop, skip, and a jump over here so that we could talk because we've never done an interview in person and yet no. here we are. Do you know he walked up to me and I didn't know it was him because I've never <laughs> seen him in person. And then he said, Crystalina, and there was the voice. And you're like, who is that guy? Yeah. He's crazy. No. So <laughs> it's good to be with you, but let's get down to business here because we let's got a go. lot to talk about. We have been talking about parenting. We have been talking about having hard conversations with our children, the ones that we don't want to have. They're, they're the non-glamorous conversations, yeah. but we need to have them before the world has them. That's right. But as a father of four daughters, you know, there's another conversation that I absolutely dread. I dread the day when this is going to come, when one of my daughters comes to me in tears and says, Dad, so-and-so said I'm not pretty. Oh. And, you know, because it, it's going to happen at some point. They're all beautiful. And I think they're beautiful. Yeah. And God thinks they're beautiful. Yeah. They're daughters of the king, you know. That's right. But 25 years after I graduated from grade school, I can't believe the pressures that teenagers are under right now with it's body image, mm -hmm. self image, boys, girls, either or. The spectrum is enormous. And they're navigating through, I only had to navigate through half of the things that they dealt with. And I went through so much as it was. And now they have to deal with their identity and gender identity. And just there's so much coming at them. But at the end of the day, it will always go back down to their foundation and what they know and they hold to be true, right? And I think if you want, if you have younger ones and you're the lucky ones who still have that time to put that foundation in, I think it's incredibly important the type of foundation that you're fostering in your children, that they have worth, they have value, that they have so much more than what it is they do and what it is they accomplish or in their sports or their grades or how they look. Like there's so much more going on that they have a mission, they have a plan and God created them specifically for something special and they need to find out what that is. And it's not to be what their friends are. Their friends no. are called to something else. Like, are you sheep or are you sheep dog? And what I used to do to my daughter, you know, because I'm like, are you a sheep, Mary? We're not sheep in this family, okay? And then she would start, like, acting in a certain way. And I would be like, she'd walk by me, and I noticed she was dressing a certain way. And I'd be like, bah. Like, <laughs> and she's like, mom, mom, I am not a sheep. And I'm like, are you sure? And then she would, like, really recognize it. But just, like, something so subtle. But that was fun and just, like, you know, not too much on her. But she would just, just to kind of point it out, you know? And you really talk talk to them about who they are, what their build is, and are they a sheep or a sheep dog? Because God created us to be sheep dogs, right? To a certain extent. I've already dated myself once in this interview <laughs> by saying 25 years ago when I graduated from grade school. So I'm going <laughs> to date myself again here with one oh, of no. my uh, favorite movies from that day and oh, age, no. a movie called Cool Runnings, where the one guy's getting pushed around and they go and, and he's looking in the mirror and he says, what do you see? And it's, I, don't, I don't know. What do you see? Yeah. I see pride. I see power. And they yeah. keep going. And I'm like, I can't forget that I have to be that for my kids. You know, not to say that they're number one and that means everybody else is lower than low. Yeah. But to say no matter what the world says about you, in, in the eyes of our maker, you are precious. That's right. You are valued. You are loved. You are worth going to the cross for. Yes. Forget what they say. Yeah, you don't have time for the trinkets of the world. Like, we have a bigger prize in mind here than the distractions of this world. But 
let them know that there is importance in that. Like they're important in the scheme of things, in this world, in the purpose, the plan, how they're going to affect people's lives, that it's so much more. Now, at the end of the day, a teenager that's really into social media and, and maybe she's very into herself and vanity and this and that, how do you drag them out of that by saying you have a purpose, you have a plan? Well, you take them out of that self-absorbed world and you go have them feed the poor, have them do something that is like completely almost a culture shock to them that they're not surrounding themselves with this self-absorbed world, but actually having to give themselves to someone else. And it changes the heart. It softens the heart. My mother had me do that a couple times, and it affected me. Even though I was submersed in that wicked lifestyle, it affected me. It softens something, and that fosters that virtue. You can't help it. It just does. I don't know about you, but no one ever had to tell me, don't eat detergent and, and don't snort cinnamon and, and, and whatever other crazy things. You know, I, I am so glad that my kids aren't online yet, but that day is coming mm. ever closer where it's not going to be the moderated school use where I'm looking over their shoulder uh, yeah. and checking their browsing history every second of the day. I'm not going to be able to keep up. And at a certain point, I'm going to have to learn to trust and let go. But as parents, how do we even keep up with the messages the world is bombarding our kids with? It's not our job to keep up with messages. It is our job to give them that solid foundation. The best thing that I have done for my children and I've told parents, and I know because I have an eight-year-old all the way down to a two-year-old and I know what works, okay? And this is one thing that is just hold true, is that you teach them, and I've told this time and time again on this show, Adam, listen, have your children learn to listen to God's voice. You can teach them that two-year-old, my little three-year-old, he's going to be three-year-olds tomorrow. And he's like, I heard the voice. I heard the voice. Like he hears, I tell him, listen to God's voice. You know, you're not supposed to be in that cookie. You know, you're not supposed to take that toy. Do you hear God's voice? Do you hear, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And you can foster at such a young age because when they leave your house, one day your daughters will leave your home. When they walk out, you want to know that they're going to listen to that voice of God. They're going to be under his protection, doing his will. They'll know right from wrong and that they can always go to him under every circumstance for that advice of what they should do. Because deep down, we know, everybody knows. Even when I was drunk, I was high, I don't care what I was doing, I still heard him pursuing me and calling me. And he's doing that for everybody. You heard the voice. That's how it went. <laughs> the voice. But, I, yeah. <laughs> but they hear and because it's intrinsically built in our being when he created us. You can't get away from it. You know, you try to numb it. You try to kill it. I didn't in high school, but you can't get away from it. But if you can actually train them to listen when they're in high school, when they're in college, those times when they are away from you, well, they aren't getting away from that. This is something we've talked about before, but this is why it is so important for spouses to show that love for one another. Like, I, I forget who I was telling this to, but our daughters, anytime Beth and I see each other and I give her a kiss on the cheek or a kiss on the forehead, the girls will, oh, daddy, smoochy, smoochy, mommy, and to the point that now they walk and it's like, will you smoochy, smoochy, mommy? And then it's, will you smoochy, smoochy me? And I give yeah, them all a kiss aw. on the cheek. But it's those lessons, showing them how I treat my wife so mm -hmm. that my daughters know how they should expect to be treated. Mm -hmm. And so my son knows how he should expect to treat women yes. when he's older. And taking my daughters out and spending time one-on-one -on -one with them to show them how they should be treated mm -hmm. and to raise their expectations. And then same for my wife with our son, to take him out and say, son, this is, you know, open the door for me, yeah. if nothing else. Build that foundation in those moments while we have it. 
always go back to the foundation. Like, what are you putting down for your children? Because they'll take that for the rest of their lives. The foundation you are building now, when they are young, they're literally taking with them into their marriages, into their fatherhood, their motherhoods. So the foundation right now is key. And to make it Eucharistic, you take them to the sacraments. You show them the way spiritually, because if you can show them spiritually, everything else will fall into place. You stay in God's will. That's what we do as a family. We're in God's will. And if it's outside of God's will, we don't go out of that. That thing that's trying to get us out, it stays out of God's will, right? And that's where that needs to be. But at the end of the day, if you're having a hard time in your marriage, because there's ebbs and flows and marriages aren't always nice and good and easy sometimes, I think it's really important for people to foster good relationships with their children's friends. They don't want to, maybe it's uncomfortable, maybe it's hard for them, but they need to get over it because that is what's going to help them have that window into their teen's life, what they're doing, how they're acting. They want to bring the kids home and not want to like shun you out of their life. They want you to be a part of it. And I'm like the mom they want to hang out with. They're like, when are we going out again, Mrs. Ever? And like, you know, and I'm like, I got to get through this and we'll go out for ice cream or, or whatever. But you want them to foster friendships. And I don't let my kids date. Do they think I'm outdated and out of control and this and that? It's the best thing I ever did because my son and my daughter are learning how to have friendships, healthy, good friendships with the opposite sex that isn't going to become sexual, romantic, or go over the boundaries where it doesn't need to go. They just need to be friends. And if they can learn to do that, when the romance actually does come in, they have that foundation. And not every guy that comes in that desperate poor girl's life that her daughter may be ignoring, that she's so desperate for that attention, she's getting it with her guy friend. She's a little more secure. And always, Adam, always, Look your daughters in the eye and tell them they're beautiful. Tell them they're loved. Tell them they're safe and they're wanted. They're amazing. They are like everything. And when they get older, just like my daughter, she's like, oh, thanks. Like, it's not a thing. If she hears it, from, like, she's full. She doesn't, yeah. she's not empty to where she's like some, like, puppy dog dying for a drink of water of just like, oh, my gosh, she told me I was cute. It's like, dude, my dad tells me that all the time. Thank you, though. That's, that's nice. Get more creative. You know what I mean? Things like that. I love it because I was just thinking, as you said, that I know three couples that met in high school that are now married. And I know a lot of people. So three out of however many that is, the percentages aren't in yeah. their favor. So have friendships in high school. I absolutely It's the best thing they it. can do. I did all the romance, drama, everything else. What do you honestly think they're going to go off and get married and like live happily ever after? It's not going to happen. You guys are going to hit the hard end of 12th grade. You're going to different colleges and reality is really going to set in. And then you wasted your entire time on a relationship that was never going to transpire outside of high school. Yeah. Not saying it can't happen. And it can. There's the very few. Hey. <laughs> But most of the time it doesn't. Yeah. So let's live in reality. Yeah. Actually, and I would note that the three that I do know, those all started with friendships first mm. that then blossomed after high school. Oh, when I so. watch my, my children with these friends and I have fun with them, we play games and all kinds of, it's awesome. Yeah. That's what you want them to have. That's what high school's about. Not the drama, not the hiding, keeping your parents out. If your kids are trying to keep you out and you know they're hiding something, nine times out of 10, it's like, you better go find what that is and just check their phone. If you want to know what's going on with your kids, just say phone check and just like and take it. That's it. Yep. You'll know exactly what's going on. And if you're paying the bill, you get to do the yeah, phone check. Yeah, you don't check. have that's your kids' code. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we are sadly out of time. I've got to get to the next workshop here at the conference, but I want to thank you for driving over to actually sit down in person for Roadmap to Heaven on the road here this in great. Phoenix, Arizona, where it's 100 degrees in the shade in it September. Is. I absolutely love it. We're going to take a break. There's more Roadmap to Heaven after this. Memorare to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, 
that never was it known that anyone who implored your help and sought your intercession were left unaided. Full of confidence in your power, I fly unto you and beg your protection. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble supplication, but in your bounty, hear and answer me. Amen. I shudder to think that we are already midway through this week of the Daily Dose of Encouragement. I love this theme you've brought us, Patty, Saints of October, and the quotes you've been sharing with us, the prayers so far. So without further ado, which saint do you have in store for us today? Well, today we're going to look at the North American martyrs, whose feast day is October 19th. These were eight Jesuits, six priests and two laymen, among them St. Isaac Jogues, who died in Arsville in what is upstate New York, and many of them died in Canada. And his prayer, his quote was this. He said, my confidence is placed in God who does not need our help for accomplishing his designs. Our single endeavor should be to give ourselves to the work and to be faithful to him and to not spoil his work by our shortcomings. It's the last part that really hits me hard because how often it's my shortcomings that spoil God's design and God's work. So how can we make this prayer our own? How can we enter into the school of the saints through these North American martyrs, the words of St. Isaac Jogues? I would like to just pray all day today, Lord, do not let my shortcomings spoil your work. Do not let my shortcomings spoil your work. Basically saying, I'm sorry, Lord, for anything that I do that's going to mess up your designs for today, but have your way with me and through me despite my shortcomings. And please just let me be faithful to whatever it is that you ask of me today. So maybe that's your prayer today. Lord, please don't let my shortcomings spoil your work today. That's a powerful prayer and one I think I... I need to pray each and every day. So, Patty, thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Prayer before a crucifix. Good and sweetest Jesus, before thy face I humbly kneel, and with the greatest fervor of spirit I pray and beseech thee to fix deep in my heart lively sentiments of faith, hope, and charity, true sorrow for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment, while I consider thy five most precious wounds, having before my eyes the words of David the prophet concerning thee, my Jesus. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered all my bones. Before we wrap up today, let's have a catequiz uh, to round out the day. This is a pretty uh, straightforward one. You may know the answer, you may not. What was St. Paul's occupation before his conversion? You know, we, we know him as Saul, but what was, what was his trade even before that? Well, if you said tent maker, you are correct. He was a tent maker. In addition to persecuting the believers, he made tents, and yet the Lord called him. And St. Paul went on to be one of the most pivotal figures in our faith. Um, you know, we celebrate St. Peter and St. Paul together, and writing, I mean, half, over half of the letters in the New Testament, the, the impact he's had is certainly a profound one. And yet, before that conversion experience, he was a tent maker. So what do you do? What are you, what are you on your way to do today? Are, are you going to work? Are you at home today? Are you retired? Are you a stay-at-home parent? Are you going to school today? No matter where you're going today, no matter where I'm going today, we're all called to be holy today. It's something we try to stress each and every day here on the show. So, I mean, if our God can take a tent maker and give us over half the New Testament and change the face of Christianity in the world, 
What can he do with you? What can he do with your yes? What can he do with my yes? It's so important that we say yes to him every day. Uh, we were talking after the show yesterday, you know, and you know what's going to come up. The music's going to come on in a few minutes, and then I'm gonna, we're going to pray, which is a good thing. And then I'm going to say something along the lines of, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today. Here's the thing. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just some nicety. We take it very seriously that the Blessed Mother, in the apparition to the children at Fatima, instructed the children to tell everyone to pray the rosary every day. And I would note what uh, we've discussed before on the show, that in the apparitions at Fatima, not once do the children recall or, or retell to us that the Blessed Mother was smiling. We have no record of that. In fact, uh, w- we are told that she had a very serious look on her face the, in every apparition. So it's not, you know, I love you and, and you love me and because we love each other, pray the rosary and, and won't that be wonderful? It's I love you and I don't want you to perish in the fires of hell and I know the power of praying the holy rosary and, um, you know, the Blessed Mother asks us to pray it every day. Why? Because if she knows that if we go to her, she knows that if we go to her, she's not going to stop with her. She's going to take us to her Son, the closer we get to her son, the closer we are united with the Father and the Holy Spirit as we pray in so many prayers throughout the liturgy. We're addressing our Lord, but then at the end of the prayer we say, with the Father and the Holy Spirit in union forever and ever, or or variations on that phrase. She knows that if we draw close to her every day, we're going to draw close to her son. The rosary, as uh, we heard yesterday, is such a powerful prayer because it works. Uh, think about that. We were talking with Father Kirby, and we said, you know, it was given to St. Dominic to combat the Albigensian heresy. Well, when's the last time you ran into someone practicing the Albigensian heresy? You haven't. I'm very willing to say you haven't. We know it works. Look at the world around us today. You know, I said at the close of the show yesterday that comparatively to other times in history, do we have it that bad? No, but compared to other times in history, are we on the precipice of something incredibly dangerous? Well, not like in other times, and we are right now. It's not that just because we don't have the plague or just because we don't have, you know, we have mass communications and social media that we might live in a more technologically advanced world and some things are better. There's still an urgency. Evil is rearing its head right now. The devil is not being coy about what he is doing. You know, we read in scriptures that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking souls to devour, and he's out there right now. And the Blessed Mother told us about this over 100 years ago, 105 years ago, actually. She says to pray that rosary. In a few days, we're going to be celebrating um, the, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary this coming Friday. And we think of the Battle of Lepanto, where the Christian forces were greatly outnumbered, and yet through the rosary campaign, they became victorious, and Europe was saved, and Christianity was saved, and we're here practicing our faith in large part due to their faith. So if you're like me and you look at the news, you look at what's going on in the world, you look at what, you know, who said what and why they said it and what's being voted on and what's being advanced and the crime in your neighborhood and my neighborhood and our city and your city, etc. And you say, how do we make sense of all this? Well, I don't know that we do make sense of this, but I do know this. 
The Blessed Mother wants us to pray the rosary, and the closer we draw to her, the closer we draw to our Lord. And that doesn't mean we'll escape suffering in this life, but it means we'll be able to make sense of that suffering because he will make sense of that suffering. And if we can endure through the suffering and be faithful to death, then odds are in our favor that we'll get to heaven, but only with his grace, only with his grace and with the sacraments. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Our Lady Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I told you I'm going to say it, so here it goes. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and just like Our Lady of Fatima would say, pray your rosary today.